It's a problem. You guys ready? You all tuned up? Remember, we're going to do two choruses at the end. When the darkness 
Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Faith. Good to see you all. My name is Aaron Rosen. I'm one of the pastors here at Faith. So good to have you in worship today. If you're online with us or if you are here in person, so good to have you. Um, we're continuing a series we're carrying all through the summer. It's called Rethink. It's all about the lies that we believe, what the world tells us, what we tell ourselves, what is not true. So we dig into the Word of God and rethink those lies and to know the truth about God's Word. Um, we're also celebrating Holy Communion today, so we'll invite you a little bit later to join us as we participate in the very body and blood of Christ given to us in the bread and wine for the forgiveness of our sins. We believe that we are very much sinners in need of God's grace, and He gives us that grace. Uh, through the bread and the wine in the body and blood of Christ. Uh, we call it real presence. If that is your belief also, then we invite you to join us for the Lord's Supper a little bit later. Uh, a few announcements too before we get started. Um, there are a whole bunch of things that are happening and getting started. Uh, we're getting close to a new program year or school year, and so lots of things happening. Um, this weekend is the third weekend of the month. That means we're giving away a portion of our offering and that is going to Celebration Lutheran School this month. So right here at our Celebration Ministry Center of Faith, we have uh, preschool through eighth grade school, and it has been a blessing to our community for uh, over 25 years. And now we're going to support them as uh, we give a portion of our offering to Celebration. Uh, they're also kicking off school this week, so celebrating at the start of a new school year for Celebration. Um, here at uh, our Celebration Ministry Center, by the way, on Sunday mornings, we're still in need of some Sunday school teachers. So if you have a heart for kids and want to help disciple them in the Lord, uh, it'll be a great opportunity for you to help to volunteer as a Sunday school teacher. Um, let us know if you'd be interested in that. Um, coming up on Wednesday night this week, we're starting off our confirmation program for the fall. And with that, we do... Um, a program with our ninth graders before they're confirmed in October, uh, a whole unit on apologetics. Apologetics is about defending your faith, especially in front of those who would uh, mock us or proclaim a different kind of truth, um, would try to, um, to question what we believe about Christ. And so apologetics is just being able to defend your faith. And we have a actually... Uh, well-known speaker, speaks all over the United States, Brad Aulis. He's a professor at Concordia University here in Wisconsin, down at Mequon. And he's going to be here on Wednesday evening and uh, speaking to us about the ABCs of apologetics. That is not just for our ninth graders and their families. Anybody can come to that. It's over at our Faith Ministry Center in the Sanctuary. Um, check that out on Wednesday evening this week. Um, there's also, we're celebrating the second anniversary of Gotcha Day for Hagar, our comfort dog. And um, we're collecting items for, uh, for that comfort dog ministry, actually, to bless our community. There's information in your bulletin about that. And uh, they're, they're very much, very, very good on school supplies. But all the other things that are listed there that are needs um, that they're collecting you could bring in to help support our, um, our community in that way too. Um, and then coming up on September 10th, anybody know what September 10th is? It's a Sunday and the beginning of Packer season, right? Uh, and the Packers are playing that afternoon at 3.30. And also happening right here at Celebration uh, on that afternoon and evening is a chili cook-off. Our men's ministry is gonna be putting together a chili cook-off uh, competition, uh, 
ladies get the night off of cooking, guys are gonna do the cooking, right? This is kind of the idea. Watch the Packers game on big screen and uh, just enjoy some time fellowship. So check that out in the bulletin as well. And then finally, uh, tomorrow, we have a group that is gonna be leaving for Guatemala. They're flying down to Guatemala. They're gonna be spending this next week uh, serving the kids and the community down in uh, El Oregonal, Guatemala, our partner village there. And uh, today we're gonna commission a few of those who are going on that trip. Not, not everybody who's going on that trip is actually here. We have a couple people in California, what we affectionately call Faith West, uh, because they're always worshiping with us. And hi to those of you who are uh, part of that uh, that congregation out in the West Coast in California. And we have also two people who are in Ohio who are gonna be joining that trip as well. So we want to bless and send off and pray for our Guatemala team. That is Curtis and Taya, Todd and Sandy, Linnell, Susan, Leslie, Steve and Elaine who are going, nine people who are gonna be leaving tomorrow and coming back late next Saturday for um, their trip to Guatemala. So if I could have those who are here, I know Todd and Sandy are here, Linnell, you're here. Come on up here. A um, couple others couldn't make it tonight. And like I said, um, others are away from here and joining us online. But if you could just stand right up here. Um, yeah, we want to just send and bless you guys as you are going off to your trip to El Oregonal. Um, if you would, all of you, if uh, as I'm praying, just kind of reach out your hands like this. We'll, um, we'll bless them. You won't be able to put your hands on their shoulders like I am, but you can nonetheless um, extend your hand out as a way of blessing them as we pray over them and send them on their way to Guatemala this week. Our gracious Lord, we thank you for volunteers who are willing to step out of their comfort zone and leave the comforts of, of our homes here in the United States and go to other places of the world to serve and to care for those who are in need, who um, need to know the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for our volunteers who are going to Guatemala tomorrow. We pray that you would bless the time with the with our brothers and sisters who are there in El Oregonal, uh, that you would bless their bringing encouragement from here to those who are part of the church there and serving the community. We pray that uh, you would provide them with safe travel, with good health, with strength and encouragement, that they would be full of joy and that all that they do would bring honor and glory to you. We pray that you would bring them safely back home and that every memory of their trip to, uh, to Guatemala and the, the words that, have, that were shared through this next week uh, will be a memory and a blessing to those, uh, not just the people there in Guatemala, but to this team who are going, um, that they would grow in their faith in their service to others. We ask it all in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Yes, oh, uh, yes, I, that is what I wanted to do, Linnell. Thank you for that reminder. You can follow their trip on Facebook. We have a Facebook page called Faith in Guatemala. FIG for short, 
Faith in Guatemala. So follow Faith in Guatemala. You can see uh, pictures, follow what, what's going on with their trip and know when they get back to. And, and that's actually something you can always follow, uh, not just while they're there, but um, we keep that up to give you updates too on what's going on in El Oregonal. So thank you for that reminder. And uh, I'm gonna invite everybody to stand up as we join together and I'm gonna hand it over to Steve and the band. And we're gonna worship the Lord. Yeah, so as you're coming in, we're singing this song, Blessed Be Your Name. Many of you sung that many, many years ago. It's been a great favorite around here. So we learn how to bless the Lord, sing to his praises through the highs and lows of life, um, no matter what's happening. But I just thought before we start today on Alive and Breathing, we don't normally start with this song, but I would read from Psalm 63, which is a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. And he writes, You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. So as we sing, alive and breathing, we can remember those words that we can praise God through all circumstances.
Turn to me, O God, and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Before we come to the altar of the Lord and partake of his holy supper, let us first consider our, our unworthiness and come clean, confessing our sins. Heavenly Father, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. In moments of weakness, our complete trust is in faithfulness and goodness has failed when life gets hard and we struggle. Have mercy on us, O God, and forgive us. By your spirit, renew a steadfast spirit within us and restore to us the joy of your salvation. <coughs> Paul tells us in Romans 3 that all, all, that means you and me, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely. Justified means that God treats us just as if I'd never sinned. Justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That is that Christ has paid the price for our sin. We just sang about this in the, in the song, right? Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Christ. He is our atoning sacrifice, Paul says, which means that he is a substitute. Christ took the punishment so that we would be set free. He took the punishment for sin, which is death, so that we would not die eternally, that we would be given life forgiveness and salvation. This is my privilege as one of your pastors to announce that amazing grace to you. It was announced in the gospel when Jesus came and announced by Paul and the other apostles, and I get to announce it once again to you. You are forgiven in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's sing of the goodness of God. Congregation may be seated.
Let's pray. Faithful and gracious God, thank you for all of your blessings and for gifting us a saving faith in Jesus that can provide us shelter from every storm. Help us, O Lord, to remain steadfast in your love and faithfulness, always trusting in your strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. In the precious name of Jesus we pray, amen. Our first reading tonight is from 1 Peter chapter 4. The Apostle Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And a reading from Psalm 23, we'll read this responsively. So I invite you to join in every other verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For the reading of the gospel, I invite you to stand in honor of our Lord and his words. From Matthew chapter 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the gospel of our Lord. Now you may be seated. The shot. It was a little over two years ago right now when people all over our community were waiting for their turn for the shot, right? The COVID-19 vaccine. Trusting that when enough people were vaccinated, we could get back to in-person activities, be a little bit safer, Of course, for many decades, we've been receiving vaccines in order that we might be inoculated, right? Inoculated from diseases like smallpox and influenza and the measles. So you get the shot and chances are you'll avoid the misery of the disease, right? Well, many people view their Christian faith like an inoculation, as if it is going to protect you from hardship. But this is simply not true, that somehow being a Christian is gonna protect you from pain. This is the next lie in our series, Rethink. This is the lie. Because I'm a Christian, God will protect me from pain and suffering. Now I've seen people who believe this and then they become disillusioned with God. When hard times come, they get bitter and resentful because they think, well, if God is a loving God, how is he going to let me suffer like this? And they experience a crisis of faith. And many of them even walk away from their faith altogether because they have had this lie in their mind that they are not going to suffer if they're a Christian. But our Christian faith is not somehow a guard against suffering. In fact, if anything, following Christ means that we will suffer even more than others, and really for two primary reasons. Number one, because Christ calls us to die to ourselves and live for others, which means that we take on other people's burdens and we actually take on the discomfort of putting others' needs before our own. And also because Jesus warns us that when we follow him, we are likely to be persecuted. If the world hates me, or if the world hates you, remember they hated me first, Jesus said. And he also said, if anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross, right? Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Taking up a cross is not sitting on a lounger on a beach with a pina colada in one hand and, and cool and, uh, you know, ocean breezes kind of running through your hair. That's not taking up a cross. Taking up a cross is a hardship and pain and suffering. We should not expect that we'll be free from that kind of hardship if we follow Christ. Now, in the letter that 
Peter, the apostle, wrote to Christians of his day. This is our reading today from 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. The apostle James, interestingly, takes this to a whole nother level. He says, James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, two things I want you to notice about this. Number one, James says, whenever you face trials. This is not if you face trials, but whenever. He just assumes that as Christians, we are going to experience trials of many kinds. And then he says, consider it pure joy when you face those trials, which might sound really strange to say. I mean, if you are hurting, you consider it not just joy, but pure joy. James goes on to say, you consider it pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, Paul says something very similar in Romans chapter five. He says, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So all these verses, Peter, James, Paul, they're all saying the same thing, right? All these are emphasizing a truth that is really kind of hard to swallow sometimes, but it's true. Pain and suffering is not because of lack of faith. Pain and suffering are actually productive. Pain and suffering are productive, even beneficial. Swallow that truth for a second. It doesn't taste very good, does it? Pain and suffering can be productive and beneficial. I wanna go back to 1 Peter. Peter said, do not be surprised by the painful trial you are suffering. At the beginning of Peter's letter, 1 Peter, he says, these trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, I want you to notice, I want you to notice the, this phrase, so that. These trials have come so that your faith may be proved genuine. That means that the trials are purposeful. God is actually doing something in the midst of the trials. It's not random. God is not thrown off guard. It didn't just occur to God, right? It might just occur to us, but it never just occurs to God. He's not surprised. It's purposeful. These trials have come so that your faith may be proved genuine. And he says, your faith is of greater worth than gold. You know what they do with gold when they get it out of the ground? When we find gold in the ground, it usually also has some impurities in it. And so you have to melt it down. It's actually melted under 
uh, or melted in the fire. So it, when, the, when the gold is melted down, all the impurities, what sometimes called dross, it either burns off or it rises to the top and then you can skim it off the top and you're left with pure gold. Now, our faith is very much like this. And he says, it's of even greater worth than gold. And our faith can actually be refined, purified by fire. Now, he goes on, he says, even though gold will perish, you get the fire hot enough, like the fire of judgment that is eventually gonna come, all gold and everything else in this world will perish, but your faith will remain. Your faith is improved, refined, made better, purified by trial. So earlier in my ministry, I served a church in Indiana that became very difficult to serve. Some of the pain I brought on myself because I was young and immature, but much of the pain was outside of my control. There was just conflict, compounding conflict, compounding conflict. And it was just, it became really hard. I mean, to the point where I actually considered finding something else to do with my life besides pastoral ministry. As the writer of Hebrews says, the, uh, he says this of divine discipline. He says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Those days in ministry that were very, very hard were not wasted days. They weren't pleasant, but to Peter's point, those days refined my faith. There were certain characteristics that needed to be burned off of my personality. Certain impurities in my spirit that needed to be burned off, like dross. So my dependence on people's approval needed to be burned off. My need to be in control and have things my way needed to be burned off. My self-reliance, leaning on my strength and abilities, needed to be burned off. God's still working on that. You know, he's, I'm a work in progress, like everyone else is a work in progress, but he's had to burn those things off of my spirit. That's what Peter's talking about. When he's talking about our faith of greater worth than gold is refined by fire. It's made more genuine. You know, rock climbers will talk about the crux of their climb. When they're going up the, a rock face, they get to a point that is more difficult, maybe because the handholds are harder to find or they're spread farther apart, maybe because the rock face juts out and you have to maneuver around it, maybe sometimes even hanging upside down. Those, t those places in the climb that are much more difficult, rock climbers call the crux of their climb. Crux means cross. It's a crossroads, if you will, in their journey up the rock. That point in the climb will make or break 
their climb. They'll make or break a climber. But when they get through it, when they've taken more time and more, uh, more thought and they've gotten through and, and been careful and they've gotten to the top of their climb, they look back and realize those are the points, the most difficult points in the climb were what made them stronger. Those were the points when they grew and they became better. The same is true of weightlifting, right? The resistance of weights make you stronger. Same with playing piano or anything else that's a skill. The more you do it, the harder things that you take on, right? If uh, Steve Moore could tell you as he's playing the piano, if you don't play anything that challenges you, you're gonna be stuck just playing chopsticks, right? It's for your whole life, you're not getting any better. Pain and suffering in life are like resistance training for our souls. They develop us as people. They force us to be stronger, more refined, able to tackle greater and greater challenges. This is why the scriptures tell us that pain and suffering are actually productive and beneficial. If we're suffering, it's not because of a lack of faith. It's not because God is not good. Quite the opposite. Pain can actually be God's loving discipline. God is making our faith bolder, stronger, more resilient, more productive, more pure. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. I want to talk about that word hope for a second. Hope is what we're longing for. Peter says, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Our hope, our faith, is looking forward to a day when Christ comes again and he is revealed in all his glory. And if we have known darkness in this world, if we've known suffering in this world, how much greater will the joy, we will be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Talked about this in our devotions this week. If you read our devotions that we produce here at Faith and those devotions lead us into worship for the weekend. And I was talking this week about how if everything in this life were to go really, really well all the time, then we would just be comfortable here in this life. We would be, if we, had, we didn't experience setbacks and pain, then we would not look forward to something better. We would be comfortable in this world. And we're not made for this world. We're made for a world that is going to be restored when God's coming back and he reveals Christ's glory for what it is and, and we'll see him face to face. Right now, he says, we are strangers in this world. Peter says this at least twice in his uh, letter, that we're strangers in the world. Aliens, sojourners, another ways, are, are other ways of putting it. Aliens, strangers, sojourners in this world. We're on our way to the promised land, which is a new world, a world fully restored. 
Our citizenship is in heaven, is the way Paul says it in Philippians 3. You ever wonder why God allows us sometimes to have really bad leaders? I mean, there's a a place in Romans chapter 13 where Paul says, there is no authority except that which God has established. Which means that God is always in charge of who's in charge. Think of it that way. God is always in charge of who's in charge. Well, then why sometimes do we have really horrible leaders? Well, it's probably dangerous to speculate about speculate about why God does what he does, but I think that at least in part, the answer is that God will allow us to have bad leaders so that we will remember where our true loyalty lies, who is our true king. The ideal president of the United States is so terribly elusive because there is no ideal president for the United States, right? Because we're always gonna have leaders who fail and who are less than ideal, because when we have less than ideal leaders, we always look to the true king, who is Christ. If we had someone who is just great, we would be content with that and not long for more. And God would have us always longing for more. Christ saved us for this life, but way more importantly than that, he saved us for the life that is yet to come. Now we are strangers and aliens. When Christ's glory is revealed at the last day, all the suffering is gone, all the imperfection is gone, all the pain and suffering are over, right? We will be we'll be released from the suffering. But now we suffer as a way of reminding us that we're not there yet. That's still to come. So we refocus our love and our affection, not for the things of this world. As good as this life might be, we don't get too comfortable here. Instead, Christ is calling us to something more. So Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. So fix our eyes on that. So summarizing all this, right, pain and suffering are not because we lack faith. If Somehow having faith in Christ is not an inoculation from suffering. Suffering actually can be God's loving discipline for us to make us productive and more pure, makes us stronger, and more faithful, and our attention is turned to what is yet to come, the eternal things which he has in store for us. Amen? Amen. As our band is coming up, let me just say a word of thanks uh, for all the ways that you give and sacrifice to support our our ministry here at Faith. You know, everything that we own is God's. We don't really own it. He's just entrusted it to us. And so we give back a portion of that for his work. And uh, so we thank you that you help us in our work here at Faith. Uh, God is using you as his instrument of blessing for those who are in need of the gospel and helping us to have a place to worship and 
education materials, and, and so much more. So um, thank you for that. I'll hand it over to the band as we bring our offerings to the Lord. raging at my feet I can feel with results are surrounding me I can hear the sound of nations rising up we will not be overtaken we will not be overcome I can walk down this dark and painful road I can face
We thank you, God, that your great power, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave and commands the dead to wake, lives in us so that no matter what we face, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. We can face whatever trial and suffering and pain because we know your great strength. We know that you are at work even in those times of giving us strength, purifying our faith, and turning us in our eyes, our heart, our affections to life yet to be revealed in us, won for us by Christ. And we pray that you would bless those who are especially hurting today with that, that power of faith that would sustain them in the midst of their trials. We pray for our brothers and sisters who have been in the hospital or are facing surgery. We pray for Mike Klee, uh, who's had to have heart catheterization. Ken Close, as he is battling cancer. Pray for Chris Smith's daughter, Stephanie, recovering from a car accident. And Tanya Genke's brother, Greg, who's also recovering from an accident. We pray for Tammy Banky as she has uh, had to uh, go through CT scan uh, to determine cause of her health issues. Pray for Dwayne Kraus, uh, who is going in for knee replacement surgery this week. We pray also for those who are mourning, whose grief is very new, those who are very unexpectedly going through the darkness of grief. We pray, Lord, for family of Shirley Stevens as she was called to your near presence this week. We pray for Sarah Copeland and Mark Strasberg as they're mourning the passing of their mother. We pray for Linda Hovick at the passing of her father. And we pray for all those who have been affected by the wildfires in Maui, all others who are impacted by natural disasters, violence and warfare, who are grieving in these days. Gracious Father, strengthen them by that power in them that comes from you that they would look to you in their time of, of need. God, we also celebrate today. This life is certainly not all tears and there's much to rejoice in. We celebrate with Baker Alexander who will be baptized at our service tomorrow. Pray that you would bless him his family, as he comes to know you as Savior and Lord, as he grows older to know what it means to be a baptized child of the King. Lord, we also celebrate with Hugh and Carol Foy, who are marking their 60th wedding anniversary, and with all others who are remembering their anniversaries and birthdays, and everything good which you give. Lord, we pray for our Guatemala team as they leave tomorrow morning for their trip to El Oregonal. We pray that you would guard them and protect them. Use them 
these powerful instruments in your hand of blessing the people of Guatemala and bringing them home safely, we pray. Pray also that you would prepare us as we come to your table of mercy, receive the body and blood of Christ and the bread and the wine for our forgiveness, strength, and salvation. All these prayers we lift up to you, Lord, trusting that you hear us for Christ's sake, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I invite you now to... Make your way around the room a bit and uh, share a greeting with those who are with you in worship today. Share the peace of the Lord. Trust your heart. I will trust your heart when 
God is so good. Hallelujah. And the Lord continue to strengthen you by this body and blood of Christ, which you have received, may he strengthen you in faith until you get to see him face to face. May you please stand for the blessing and our last song. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. And all God's people say, amen.